Hello there everyone, I'm Rob, the producer on the Black Country Talking News, and this week's edition is for the 27th of July, 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 we hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Christine. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Mina, Angela, Ed, Christine, Lisa, Tim, Mary, Tony, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have some local news on the Black Country. We have the weekly quiz with Mina, news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, Information about how the Commonwealth time trial is to affect the Beacon Centre, with a 10-day workout. Information regarding macular degeneration and hallucinations. And rounding us off, we hear about how cash points were invented in the bath. However, we start this week with our guest a sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always, some local news. Brought to us by Angela, Ed, Liz, and first up, it's Christine. The West Midlands has the highest knife crime rate in the country, after offences increased by almost half over the last year, official figures show. Office for National Statistics data revealed that West Midlands Police recorded 4,445 offences involving a blade in the year up to March 31st. This was up from the 3,049 offences recorded the previous year and represents a major increase of 46%, the highest in England and Wales. It meant a figure of 152 offences per 100,000 population, with Cleveland closely behind with 139, followed by Greater Manchester and the City of London forces. Meanwhile, the number of knife and sharp instrument offences saw an increase of 10%, as it increased from 44,642 to 49,027 in England and Wales. The overall crime rate increased by 16% to 5,445,806 over both countries, with West Midlands Police recording 361,649 crimes in the region. This represented a 34% rise on 269,988 the year before, 
with the percentage increase second only to City of London Police, which saw a 56% rise. Police chiefs say the data is somewhat skewed due to the comparison period of April 2020 to March 2021, coinciding with COVID-19 restrictions and a fall in crime. West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner Simon Foster said, We have now reached a point where we are comparing this year's statistics with a year when there were numerous national COVID-19 lockdowns. That skews the statistics because many crimes reduced dramatically whilst we all stayed at home. That's why it is more useful to compare 2019-2020 with 2021-22. When we do this, we can see that robbery, burglary, shoplifting and theft from a motor vehicle are all down. On this street insists the Wensbury to Briley Hill Metro project is not in danger, despite a decision to mothball half the line. The West Midlands Combined Authority has announced the 6.8-mile route will be split into two phases after the costs increased by 22% to £550 million. It means Wensbury to Dudley will proceed as planned, albeit at an increased cost of £385 million, while the rest of the route to Briley Hill is put on hold. But West Midlands Mayor Mr Street has insisted it will be delivered in full. He also said work was well underway to find the funding necessary to complete the line. The shortfall for the project, which is already 20 months behind schedule, currently stands at around £240 million. Mr Street said the Wensbury to Briley Hill Metro extension remains mission critical for the West Midlands and we already have the diggers in the ground as we prepare to open to Dudley in 2024. There have, of course, been some significant cost pressures on the scheme given global trends and the current predicted fare income is lower after the pandemic. Therefore, the West Midlands Combined Authority Board has made the decision to phase the scheme. Whilst that is a sensible decision, it does not, in my eyes, put the scheme in danger. The board was equally clear that it remains fully committed to the full Wensbury to Briley Hill extension and work to find the necessary funds is already well underway. I'm confident this work will be successful and the scheme will be delivered. The level of job vacancies in the West Midlands has risen by 40% in the space of a year. The Mayor of the West Midlands, Andy Street, has pledged to do all he can to help businesses find the staff with the skills they need to fill the posts. He said that from June last year to last month, Regional vacancies were up from 94,000 to 131,000. Mr Street said that unemployment had fallen in the region over that period and stood at 132,000 for the three months to April. Definite progress has been made in closing the gap in the employment rate for the West Midlands and the country as a whole, he added. Mr Street said he was now determined to help improve the disproportionate unemployment rates in some of the areas of the region. Wolverhampton currently has 7.5% of its working population claiming benefits, including universal credit. We are doing everything we can to bring down the rates further and faster, he stressed. 
The West Midlands Combined Authority is working with Job Centre Plus to improve skills training. Over the last two years, 135,000 have gone through different West Midlands Combined Authority training schemes, he explained. Earlier this month, it announced a £515 million boost to skills training over the next three years. Mr Street said this war chest would help employers to find skilled people. For anyone attending a job centre with a work coach, there will be a training programme for you, he added. During the pandemic, job centres were fighting with one hand tied behind their backs. What we have seen over the last year is a real acceleration of job centres putting people into physical training and we are now seeing the benefit of that. Mr Street said training was being targeted at sectors needing more skilled people, including nursing, logistics, construction and digital. Black country residents are being encouraged to wear a face mask when they visit their GP practice to combat the spread of COVID. The legal requirement to wear a face mask ended earlier this year. However, local NHS leaders are asking people to wear a face covering when they visit any healthcare setting in the area to keep both patients and staff safe. Dr. Anata Dave, Chief Medical Officer for the NHS Black Country Integrated Care Board, said COVID-19 is very much still part of our lives and with cases rising within our communities, we all have a responsibility to help minimise the spread of the virus. It is vital that we do all we can to reduce the risk of infection for our staff and for those who need our care. And by wearing a face covering when accessing NHS services, we are all playing our part. Please make sure you wear a mask when you're visiting your GP practice or any other healthcare setting, such as a hospital or care home, to help keep everyone safe, unless you have a valid exemption. People are also being reminded that it is not too late to come forward for a COVID-19 vaccination. Dr Dave added, one of the other things people can do to help is to make sure they are up to date with their vaccinations. Looking after your health helps protect our NHS. So if you're due for a first, second or booster dose and haven't come forward to it yet, please do as soon as you are able to. Up now, we have a piece about how the Commonwealth Games time trial taking place in Wolverhampton and Dudley is to affect the Beacon Centre and local travel. The Beacon Centre would like to make visitors to our Sedgley Centre aware that the site will be inaccessible on Thursday the 4th of August due to Wolverhampton Road East being used for the Commonwealth Games as a part of the route for the cycling time trial. So please do not attempt to visit us on this day unless it is absolutely necessary as restrictions and roadblocks will be in place for the majority of the day and we will be closed for all but essential care activities. Multiple bus routes in and around Wolverhampton and Dudley are due to be affected as a result of multiple road closures. If you are planning on travelling via bus on the 4th of August, do be sure to check with Travel for West Midlands regarding any possible service disruptions. You can find out more information at www.tfwm.org.uk or call Travel for West Midlands on 0345 303 6760. That phone number again is 0345 303 6760. For more information about specific road closures and how they might affect you, you can visit 
birmingham2022.com forward slash get set forward slash dudley or birmingham2022.com forward slash get set forward slash wolverhampton. Alternatively, it is advised you contact your local council for the latest information. Up now then, we head back into some more local news and starting this section off, we first hear Christine. Efforts are underway to tackle bed blocking at a hospital and ensure people who can be are discharged to cut delays and free up ambulances. Hospital chiefs have revealed Russell's Hall Hospital's emergency department has returned to pre-COVID levels of ambulance and inpatient numbers. And at various times, the Dudley site has had 100, up to 150 at its peak, beds containing people who are medically optimised for discharge. The term refers to the point at which care and assessment can be safely continued in a non-acute setting, such as in a care home or in the patient's home. Diane Wake, Chief Executive at the Dudley Group NHS Foundation Trust, said work is underway with partners to help get more beds at the site freed up. But she told a board meeting on Thursday the issue was impacting how quickly they can unload ambulances, although patients were still being managed safely. She said the hospital always tries to admit as quickly as possible, but patients can sometimes be waiting a long amount of time and the trust needed better pathways to enable sooner discharge. The 150 figure is a third of our general and acute bed base. We've got 450 beds and at its peak it hit 150 beds blocked, so it does cause some day-to-day pressures, Ms Wake said. The chief executive said there had been some underfunding to social care, but constructive work is underway to find a solution to the issue due to people needing the right support to leave hospital. Significant work is underway with social and primary care organisations with a focus on discharge to assess where people can be transferred to beds in care homes which are managed by a team of health experts or through a home first approach by providing patients with support at home. A land study commissioned by West Midlands Mayor Andy Street has been criticised by the leader of Wolverhampton Council over claims the city has enough brownfield sites to build 4,500 new homes. A meeting of the full council sparked a heated debate across the chamber after Conservative councillor Ellis Turrell put forward a motion questioning claims that the council had included every inch of brownfield land available for potential new housing. Councillor Turrell told members... The long-awaited Brownfield Land Study, commissioned by West Midlands Mayor Andy Street, has been published. Contrary to the claims from the leader of the council that every inch of Brownfield land in the city has been included in the draft Black Country Plan, the study outlines that there is a significant amount of additional Brownfield capacity in Wolverhampton for 4,458 homes. This study completely blows apart the claims that every inch of brownfield land in Wolverhampton has been included in the draft Black Country Plan. Anybody can see for themselves the derelict sites around the city, but mainly in the city centre, that have been left to languish for years, if not decades. 
In Wolverhampton alone, there is capacity for another 4,500 new homes on Brownfield sites. This is a staggering number considering that the council has proposed over 500 new homes on Greenbelt in Bushbury and over 300 homes on Greenbelt land next to Woodhays Road. Having these homes in our city centre would add immense value to our local economy and would give a much needed boost to trade. Councillor Turrell's motion called for the council to retract the statement that every inch of brownfield land has been utilised. It was seconded by Councillor Sahail Khan, who said it's time for the council to implement these recommendations and protect our green belt and enact an actual brownfield first policy. However, Councillor Leader, Councillor Ian Brookfield, said the study wasn't worth the paper it was written on. The motion failed to be carried after the Labour group voted unanimously against it. Residents in Dudley are paying hundreds of pounds to hire a skip to dispose of rubbish after the council failed to provide a nearby tip. Now, residents in Upper Gornal and Wood Setton are forced to choose between spending their own cash or making the 18-mile round trip to Starbridge to dispose of their rubbish, a journey that they say costs around £10 in petrol and could take up to an hour and a half. Access to their local tip on Anchor Lane in Cosley has been denied to residents after Dudley Council and Wolverhampton Council failed to agree a deal. In addition, the nearest available tip in Starbridge is available by appointment only and places are limited. This has led to an increase in fly tipping and littering across the ward as residents take measures into their own hands. Resident Brian Hinton says the problem has been going on for two years and he simply cannot afford to splash his hard-earned cash on a private skip. Brian said... I've really missed it and so have 95% of North Dudley. With the traffic and everything going through Briley Hill, it's absolutely ridiculous. There are about 14 sets of traffic lights from my house to Starbridge. You have to make an appointment now. Even if you travel the 18 miles to Starbridge, you might not get in when you get there. A lot of people are getting a skip, which is costing over £150, which is really starting to escalate around here. I can't afford 150 quid just like that for a skip, and I don't know why I should. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm, said, We are continuing to look at waste disposal options for our residents in the north of the borough. However, this does not include an arrangement for the use of Anchor Lane, as this is no longer an available option. I have prioritised to resolve this matter and we are looking at the viable options. I've asked concerned councillors to meet so we can find a way forward, but this has not yet happened. Economy bosses in Wolverhampton have announced plans to build on the city's rich industrial heritage with £4.4 billion of major investment projects set out for the next five years. The government officially identified Wolverhampton as a place with strong local leadership and ambition where investment can be maximised in its levelling up white paper in February. In the last 10 years, the city has benefited from major cash injections into local businesses, including Jaguar Land Rover, the National Brownfield Institute, and most recently the relocation for the Department for Levelling Up, Housing and Communities to the city's new I-9 building and commercial district. 
Ongoing projects include the delivery of the £60 million city learning quarter, a state-of-the-art education hub growing together the city's college, adult education and library facilities, alongside new housing development. Also, the Bilston Health and Regeneration Programme is continuing to develop a new town centre health, care and wellbeing hub in what is one of the city's most deprived communities. In a report to the City Council's Cabinet Committee, Head of Policy and Strategy Laura Collins said, The City Centre Regeneration Programme will deliver ambitious projects by creating an aspirational mixed-use community blending living alongside employment and leisure space facilities. The City Centre Regeneration Programme includes initiatives which will fuel social and economic confidence, drive investment and boost economic growth. More is needed to level up in terms of development as well as ensuring that regeneration benefits the whole city. Like many post-industrial places, we face long-term social and economic challenges. We believe our industrial heritage is an asset to our economy. More than £5 million has been spent on temporary staff in one month at a hospital in the Black Country, despite the use of them falling slightly. The Dudley Group NHS Foundation Trust spent £5,355,542 in May on the workers, almost £1 million more than the £4,472,930 sum in April. Agency use fell from 210.11 whole-time equivalents in April to 198.60 in May, although costs increased from £1,720,398 to £1,954,736. Meanwhile, current vacancies at the Trust, which runs Russell's Hall Hospital on Pensnet Road in Dudley, stands at around 14%, with a drive now underway to fill those roles. Sickness and absence rates fell to around 5% in May, down from 6.82% in April. Alan Duffell, Interim Chief People Officer at the Trust, said... In relation to our own vacancies, we're standing at about 14%. Our drive to reduce our vacancies is critical moving forward. We have seen a reduction in sickness absences as well, but I'm not getting too excited because we've seen significant fluctuation in this in terms of COVID-19. It's good to note that reduction, but we need to see this clearly over a longer period of time. Our bank use and agency use have decreased, but the spend has gone up, so clearly some of the issues and direction of travel are affecting trusts in terms of rates going forward. Mr Duffell said the NHS Public Sector Pay Award of an average of 4 to 5% would be backdated to April the 1st, with staff likely to see it within their pay packets at the end of September. Up next, it's time to get that grey matter working as we have the quiz questions, brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's NHS-themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. 
In what year was the National Health Service formed? Question 2. How did people previously get treatment? Question 3. What was the Wordsley Hospital formerly used as? Question 4. How many hospital beds were available when the NHS started? Question 5. What was the original cost of a prescription? And finally, question 6. How much does a consultation to a GP cost the NHS? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Thank you very much for those questions, Mina. I'll of course give those a ponder. Off now though, we have some more local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Angela. Plans for a one-day live music festival in a Wolverhampton park have been given the go-ahead despite protests from neighbours concerned about noise and antisocial behaviour. Warsaw-based New Vision Events Limited will stage the Ibiza Proms in the Park event at Bantock Park on Saturday, September 3rd, council bosses agreed on Tuesday. The licence application was granted following mediation between the environmental health chiefs and organisers. The festival will run from noon to 10pm with permission given for the sale of alcohol and a maximum of 3,500 people to attend, including the staff. The council's licensing committee earlier heard from local resident David Cooper, who said he didn't think the park was a suitable venue for such a large festival and that many elderly neighbours would be disturbed by the noise. He said residents living near the popular Finchfield Road site already had to endure daily noise nuisance, littering and antisocial behaviour from groups of people using the park. Quite often late at night my door is knocked by people stuck in the park and we have problems with litter on a regular basis, he said. I think 3,000 plus people at a festival with an alcohol licence for 10 hours will only make this situation worse. It's going to be a nightmare for us, he told members. Representing the events organisers, solicitor Rob Edge said, the festival will bring many jobs to local people and increase footfall to the local area without causing a nuisance. All aspects of the event are being carefully planned and it will be very well managed. This application has been brought together by a professional team who are highly respected and experienced within the hospitality industry. I strongly believe this event will be an asset to the area. Admission to the festival, which will feature a 50-piece orchestra, is by ticket only. A charity football match between Stourbridge and Hales Owen Town Football Clubs was abandoned amid chaotic scenes when trouble erupted. Smoke bombs being let off, flares thrown in the stands, resulting in at least one fan being struck in the face, were among the incidents at the Charity Shield second leg game held at the War Memorial Athletic Ground in Amblecote last Thursday night. There were also reports of fighting between young rival fans afterwards. Both teams took to social media to announce that the game was off when it was halted at half-time with Stourbridge leading 2-0 in the Brooks-Clark Shield. Stourbridge posted, Tonight's game has been called off on police advice. 
In a statement, West Midlands Police said, We're investigating after disorder sparked during and after the Stourbridge and Howzoin match last night, the 21st of July. Flares were launched between fans and onto the pitch. While we also received reports of drink containers being thrown, we had an unconfirmed report of someone with a knife. There were also pockets of fighting outside the ground after the game ended prematurely in totally unacceptable scenes. We're aware of at least three people being hurt on the evening and it's just fortunate no one was seriously injured. We spoke to home club officials who were responsible for security at the fixture after the trouble started to consider whether all supporter safety would be compromised if the match continued. It was decided the fixture should be abandoned. We're now reviewing all available information and footage. Former veteran and Wolverhampton South West MP Stuart Anderson, who nearly had his foot amputated in the army, has welcomed £5 million healthcare provision for ex-service personnel. Research will be funded for trial cutting-edge technology to help veterans with complex healthcare needs and organisations are being invited to apply for funding now. Mr Anderson is a veteran. Stuart was close to having his foot amputated in 1994 after injuries sustained serving in the army. From my own experience, I know that veterans can often face unique health challenges due to having served in dangerous environments around the world. The Veterans Health Innovation Fund will catalyse innovation in techniques that could transform the prospects of those who were injured while bravely serving our country for the better. He said that it will level up support for veterans who may face unique health challenges due to their service that affect their ability to fully enjoy civilian life, including employment and leisure activities. The MP believes the funding has great potential to help wounded, injured or sick veterans rebuild their lives by pioneering treatments for the impact of pain, hearing loss and visual impairment as well as mid-traumatic brain injury, blast injuries and mental health issues such as PTSD. Five Dudley Greenfield sites have been saved from redevelopment following pushback from residents and ward councillors. The five sites in Kings Winford, Woolerscott, Brearley Hill and two in Pensnet were earmarked for redevelopment as part of the Black Country Plan. But Dudley councillors have now deemed all five of the sites not surplus to requirements, meaning all five of them will be safe from the next stage of the plan. The decision comes off the back of an eight-week consultation conducted from August to October last year. More than 20,000 people responded to the survey and a further 18,000 people signed petitions, with the majority calling for green belts and green spaces to be removed from the plan. As part of the Black Country Plan, Dudley, Sandwell, Walsall and Wolverhampton have set a target of more than 77,000 new homes by 2039. Council Chief said, The sites in the draft plan were identified through evidence gathering and through a call for sites exercise, where submissions are invited from anyone who wishes sites to be considered for development as part of the new plan. But Dudley Council leader Patrick Harney recommended that all five sites, including one from his own ward of Kings Winford, be regarded as not surplus to requirements 
following the result of the consultation. Councillor Harley said, I think we've done the job of looking at the recommendations. We've gone for the second motion of not declared surplus to requirements and therefore these items will be excluded from the next stage of the plan. A bleed kit has been installed on a Wolverhampton estate near to where a 15-year-old boy was fatally stabbed two months ago. It has been installed at the housing office on Ryefield Pendiford in the box containing the community defibrillator, which was installed in 2019. Duffcoats Tenants Management Organisation Board made the move in a bid to help prevent further loss of life in the area. Zane Smart, aged 15, died on May the 27th after being stabbed nearby. A 16-year-old who cannot be named for legal reasons has denied murder. Amy Merry, Chief Officer from Dovecoats TMO, said, We are a local organisation managed by local people. Keeping our community safe is really important to us. And in addition to the community defibrillator we installed in 2019, we have now purchased a bleed control kit that can be accessed 24-7. Sadly, in recent months, a young man was fatally stabbed and died at Dovecoats. We want to do everything we can to prevent any further loss of life. That's why a bleed kit that can afford a person with precious time is so important. Councillor Adam College, who represents Oxley, said it's absolutely great to see Dovecote TMO provide this in addition to the defibrillator installed a few years ago. They are vital bits of kits that can save lives. We have unfortunately seen the tragic incident in Pendiford recently, but people can become injured at any time and the key is being able to buy enough time for medical professionals to arrive. You always hope these bits of kits don't need to be used, but if it does, it's there and it's based at a site centrally located on the Duffcoats estate. The bleed kit is from the Daniel Baird Foundation charity, which was set up after Daniel Baird was fatally stabbed in July 2017 outside the Forge Tavern in Birmingham. The charity was set up due to no first aid or bleeding control kit available to help to save the 26-year-old's life. Did you know that up to half of people with macular degeneration are thought to experience visual hallucinations at some time? This is known as Charles Bonnet syndrome. Up now, we hear from the Macular Society, who explained to us the condition and why the hallucinations occur. Age-related macular degeneration is an eye condition that affects your central vision, which is what you can see directly in front of you. It affects the macula, which is the central part of the retina. AMD is a common disease and in fact is the single largest cause of sight loss in the UK, affecting more than 650,000 people. And up to half of those people will experience visual hallucinations at some point. This is known as Charles Bonnet syndrome. Many people who experience hallucinations due to Charles Bonnet syndrome worry that this may be a symptom of dementia or other mental health conditions, but it is important to understand that these hallucinations are completely natural. Some people see shapes or grids, others see faces which are often distorted. Still, others have very complex hallucinations of people, landscapes or machinery. These can appear in many different ways. 
visual hallucinations are also more likely to be experienced if both of your eyes have been affected by sight loss. There are a number of helpful exercises to consider which may help hallucinations to disappear. It is recommended to use eye movements to lessen hallucination impact and length. Eye movements activate visual parts of the brain in people with macular disease, even if they have little remaining vision. These movements can sometimes stop the hallucinations. Another practical tip is to look at two points a meter apart on a wall a meter in front of you. Look from one point to the other once a second for 15 to 30 seconds. Keep your head still and hold your eyes open during these movements. You can also try to shut your eyes and look away from an image you might see in order to help it disappear. Try to adjust the ambient lighting condition in a room if it is too bright or too dark. Do so by either turning on the lights if it is too dark or by finding a way to reduce light in the room if it is too bright. If it is dark, try switching on the lights in the room or do something else to alter what it is you are focusing on. It's also helpful to know that for most people, these hallucinations do improve over time. For lots of people, realizing that it is normal to experience this is already a significant relief. Some people may still find that living with these hallucinations is difficult and distressing. In this case, counseling can be effective and strategies can be developed to help cope with the experience. While you may find these hallucinations to be frightening or inconvenient, they are not a cause for concern. If your hallucinations include any other sense, such as sound or touch, or you find yourself becoming more forgetful, you should consult a doctor. Visual hallucinations are a common result of eye diseases such as AMD, and there is a lot of information available to you on living with macular disease and the visual hallucinations that come with it. A few practical steps and knowing what to expect with visual hallucinations can help lessen their impact on your day-to-day -day life. Visit the Macular Society website or YouTube channel for more helpful and practical information on general eye health. Heading up now then, it's our final block of local news. And starting this one off, it's Liz. Work has started on a monument to honour the efforts of key workers during the pandemic. Dudley's Covid statue, dubbed the Russell's Hall Rainbow, is taking shape after foundations were put in on land at the borough's main hospital. The project was launched at the height of the pandemic as a permanent reminder of those who were lost as well as the work of the NHS and care providers, key workers, public health officials and volunteers. Initial works on the statue have been undertaken by Social Housing and Care Provider, Sanctuary and Ducey Groundworks. Councillor Kieran Casey, who started the project, said, This is a key moment for the project and it's fantastic to see the foundations being started so local people and those who have supported us can see that this monument is taking shape. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that has been involved in this to date, particularly all the people and organisations that have donated and now to Sanctuary and Ducey 
for helping us with the works needed on the foundations. The support we have received has been tremendous and it wouldn't have been possible to get to this stage without everyone that has been involved, so I am truly grateful. We really do owe more than words can say to those who were on the front line in the fight against COVID, those who were at risk every day just doing their jobs, whether this be in hospital wards, pharmacies and community volunteers who were supporting residents with food packages, to those who comforted residents in some of the darkest hours imaginable and workers who ensured supermarket shelves were stacked, to mention just a few. A neighbourhood watch-style scheme is being launched to help people look after Wolverhampton's East Park. East Park Park Watch gives residents and park users the information they need so they know how to report any issues to help keep the park safe and clean for people to enjoy. Councillor Jasper Jaspar, Wolverhampton Council's Cabinet Member for Public Health and Wellbeing, said, We want people to love their park and help the authorities keep it in tip-top condition. That's why we've developed the new East Park Park Watch initiative, a partnership between local police and antisocial behaviour teams, local councillors and park staff, and we ask any park users to report any issues they find so that they can be addressed. People can report issues with rubbish, dog mess, street lighting or problems affecting the highways around the park to Wolverhampton Council by calling 01902 551155 or by downloading the Love Clean Streets app available from the App Store and Google Play. Antisocial behaviour can be reported by calling 01902 552950 while park ranges are available from 8am to 4pm by calling 07766 473150. In an emergency, people should always dial 999. East Park Watch was officially launched at the Birmingham 2022 Queen's Baton Relay event at East Park last Sunday. A new publicly accessible defibrillator has been installed in Broyley Hill High Street, marking a year since a local duo saved a life in the town with CPR. The defibrillator and lockable cabinet have been installed in the town's high street near the entrance to the market, just over the road from the Moore Centre, where a local butcher, Gordon Tranter, and a passing-by student nurse, Olivia Hansen, gave CPR to a shopper last year. The life-saving equipment has been installed thanks to support from the community's response manager, Andy Jaynes, who donated the equipment, organised by local councillor, Adam Davies. Also involved was local business Alan Warwick Butchers, which donated the cabinet and carry case, and members of the public gave donations at the CPR training session last October, which was used for spare batteries. Gordon Tranter, the local butcher who helped save the woman's life last June, said, There wasn't a defibrillator in the town last June, so me and Olivia just had to work our best with CPR and hope it was enough. Thankfully it was enough on that day, and the lady survived. But we know having a defibrillator will help anyone in the same situation in the future and give them an even better chance. Obviously, the defibrillator won't work alone. It still needs someone to step forward and use it. I'd encourage anyone to just try. You could help save someone's life. I'll never forget that day for as long as I live. Andy Jaynes added, Gordon is surely an inspiration to us all. It is great to see the defibrillator in Briley Hill and hopefully it will never be needed. However, if it saves just one life, then all the hard work has been worth it. 
I would like to say a huge thank you to Councillor Adam Davies for his determination and commitment for getting support from local businesses to help with this life-saving local project. A city choir is putting in final rehearsals ahead of its big day at the Commonwealth Games. Anthem Voices from Wolverhampton has been selected to participate alongside 14 other choirs as part of the opening ceremony of the Games, performing with Duran Duran during the event. The choir, which is made up of members from Wolverhampton and across the city and surrounding area, are now putting in final rehearsals ahead of their performance on Thursday, July the 28th at Alexander Stadium. BBC Radio WM presenter Elise Evans works as musical director for Anthem Voices and said the choir had put in an application to take part and were both shocked and delighted to find out they'd been selected. She said, it was around April time that we found out after having put in the application about who we were and what we were about and how we could represent Birmingham and the wider West Midlands region. To be honest, we were ecstatic to find out. They worked so hard and it was a real moment of pride for me, but I also know it will be a special experience for the whole choir singing backing for Duran Duran. We are in the thick of rehearsals at the moment, with the choir working crazy hours and balancing normal jobs with rehearsals. But even when the weather has been baking, they've carried on and been so professional. Elise said she would be involved in the opening ceremony as the stadium announcer, so wouldn't be on stage with the choir, but said she would be watching with a lot of pride. She said, I will get to see firsthand how they get on and I'll just be beaming from my seat. I've already had a sneak peek of the rehearsals and know what it will sound like, but seeing 30 members of my choir up there singing their hearts out is going to be really special. A Black Country shopping centre is getting into the spirit of the Commonwealth Games with a pop-up sports stadium. Inspired by the opportunity to bring people together for the Commonwealth Games, Mary Hill is launching the pop-up stadium at the heart of the centre on the Lower Mall near Marks and Spencers. The brand new event space will host an 11-day long programme featuring a host of activities and events which aims to encourage visitors to join in and have fun getting active. Between Thursday, July the 28th and Sunday, August the 7th, there will be a free programme of events taking place every day from 11 to 3pm for a wide range of ages and abilities. Visitors can get involved with drop-in sessions from Worcestershire Cricket and West Bromwich Albion Football Club Foundation. They can also enjoy martial arts masterclasses suitable for all skills levels from JKR Karate and gymnastic displays from former Team GB Olympians, as well as a variety of demonstrations, taster sessions and fitness classes. Ping Pong Parlour, famous across the UK for bringing table tennis to unique locations, will also be encouraging players to take part. Each day, once the activities have finished, the stadium will transform into a relaxed space to watch the games on a giant screen, with free seating available from 3.30pm and from 11am to 5pm on Super Sunday. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature.
again everyone I do hope that you're all okay and in no need of the services that I've dipped into this week because there are some interesting things that I didn't know about the National Health Service now then for instance did you know that the National Health Service came into existence in 1948 with the National Health Act making health care free to everyone at the point of delivery it essentially put paid finally to the archaic poor laws of the 19th century the idea of a national free health service had been around since 1909 but it took nearly 40 years for it to come into fruition prior to the national health service arriving health care was sometimes provided by charities or to those who could afford to pay either directly or who had to pay into schemes run by employers None of the services were uniform and often left a lot to be desired. When the NHS arrived it utilised many old workhouse buildings left over from the old charitable social care system. Locally the workhouse in Wordsley became Wordsley Hospital and the Dudley workhouse became Burton Road Hospital. The old Dudley Guest Hospital building however never was a workhouse despite its foreboding appearance. In 1948, when the NHS arrived, there were 480,000 hospital beds. But nowadays, due to the advancement of medicine and of primary care, many problems can be dealt with outside of hospitals, so today there are just 168,000 beds needed for hospital care. For example, in 1949, the average time in hospital for a woman after having given birth was 14 days. Today, it's 1.7 days. And if you saw one of the 17,000 GPs in 1950, you would have paid one shilling, that's five pence per item for your prescription. But now, if you saw one of the 34,000 GPs today, you would have to pay £9.35 per item. The average wage incidentally in 1950 was around £5 a week, whereas today it's over £500 a week. The cost of running the NHS these days is a whopping £136 billion, of which £56 billion is spent on pay for its employees. A trip to A&E by ambulance costs an average £292, and a 10-minute consultation with a GP is 40 quid. And a hip replacement on average is around £5,000, though heart bypass surgery can have the price tag of around £10,000. Well folks, I do hope that these few facts about our NHS have proved interesting for you this week. I know that for me, I feel more appreciative than ever that we have it to call on when we need it, and that we don't have to pay the cost of treatments. Any road up, I'm off to count my blessings. So till next week then, keep safe and well. Ta-ra a bit, ta-ra! Cheers for that Roger, insightful as always. Up now then, we're over into the football news. Wolves continued their clinical pre-season form as they brushed aside Besiktas with a sweeping 3-0 victory. After a shaky start in the which the Turkish side had a number of chances, Wolves settled and quickly made them pay. Valkyminas pounced on a goalkeeper error to put them ahead before impressive attacking moves saw both Daniel Pedence and Pedro Neto find the back of the net. The second half saw less action, but Wolves still created opportunities, but were unable to finish them. The 3-0 win follows their 4-0 victory over Alaves on Wednesday. 
Max Kilman has called on Wolves to build from their positive pre-season results and find their rhythm in their new look back four. In the two games in front of fans in Spain, Wolves won 3-0 and 4-0 against Alves and Besiktas and they were impressive in their new shape. Kilman now intends to build on the positive start with less than two weeks to go until the start of the Premier League season. It's very important we build from this and especially get our minutes up, find a new way of playing and get our rhythm together, he said. It's been very positive and we just need to kick on from here. When asked what the aims are this week, leading up to the short trip to Portugal, he added, Keep getting fit as a team and getting stronger. Build a better connection and be ready for the first game against Leeds. Albion ended their pre-season campaign by securing a 2-1 win over Bundesliga outfit Hertha Berlin. In what proved to be an intriguing contest at the Hawthorns, quick-fire goals from John Swift and Darrell Dyke saw the baggies come from behind to beat their German opponents. Sandro Swartz's side impressed technically and they opened the scoring when David Salke finished off an excellent move to put them ahead in the first half. But the baggies turned the tie around after the interval with Swift converting a fine cross from Grady Diangana. Then just moments later, Dyke brilliantly headed home an excellent Wallace delivery. The win was a nice way for Albion to close their pre-season campaign, with the championship season getting underway next weekend at Middlesbrough. Meanwhile, politicians across the political divide are backing the plan for the Hawthorns to be an asset of community value to prevent a quick sale. Fears over the 125-year-old ground's future under the club's owners led Conservative Charlemagne councillor Les Trumpeter to ask if Sandwell Council can start the ball rolling next week. The first MP to back the plan was Conservative Dudley South MP and Albion fan Mike Wood, who said, I think all fans are uncomfortable with the club's owners securing borrowing for his other businesses against our stadium. Hopefully the loans will be paid back on schedule and our club will be unaffected but we really can't take any chances. Former Sandwell Labour parliamentary candidate Ian Cooper first attended matches at the Hawthorns in the 1970s and was quick to back the Conservative councillor Les Trumpeter's plan. He said, Like so many fans, I've spent many hours watching the baggies from my first game with my dad in the Johnny Giles era, then cheering on Cunningham and Regis, then all the way through to the Premiership era. It formed part of my identity. Even the Scottish Independence Party has joined the political consensus over the Hawthorns. Paisley-based Baggies fan and Scottish Independence Party member David Brown said, We all need to work together across the political divide and on both sides of the border to keep the Hawthorns in the club's hands. We've all seen how ruthless businessmen enter football and end up getting the clubs to lease the ground they have owned for generations. We are better than that. Are you ready to get moving? Well, let's hope so, because up now, we have the 10 Today Workout. Hello everyone, this is 10 Today, a 10-minute set of exercises to do at home to help keep yourself active. Before we get to today's presenter, a couple of housekeeping points to note. The 10 Today project is funded by the Big Lottery and Sport England, and when you're doing the exercises, it's important that you don't push yourself too far, and by taking part, you agree to 10 Today's terms and conditions. You can read these terms and conditions at tnflink.uk forward slash 10T, and the 10T is the digit 1, the digit 0, and the letter T. And please remember that you agree to take part at your own risk. Today's exercises are brought to you by Mary, and here she is. 
Hello everyone and welcome to 10 Today Series 2, Session Number 6. These are short, 10-minute physical activity routines which will get you moving and stretching. They're great for your health, including boosting your mood. And very importantly, they're designed to support your everyday movements, your functional fitness, your flexibility, balance and mobility, such as when you have to reach up, turn, bend down and so on. These simple routines will help you with that. Just take them at your own pace. There are plenty of options. If an exercise feels too much, then just take it easy and have a break. All the exercises can be done either standing up or sitting down. Just do whatever feels good for you today. When lifting your arms or knees, only go as far as is comfortable. And if you have any problems with your knees or hips, take care not to twist them during the movements. It can also help to pull in your tummy when you're bending your back. And just breathe normally throughout these activities. We want you all to do these activities safely. You are responsible for monitoring how you're feeling throughout the sessions. And if you feel any discomfort or pain, for example, if you feel unwell or dizzy or experience palpitations, then please stop and seek medical advice. If you're remaining seated, it would be ideal if you can use a hard chair, preferably one without arms, such as a dining chair that you can sit upright in with a straight back and your feet flat on the floor. If you're standing, just step your feet hip-width apart, relax your shoulders and take a good, strong stance. And you might want to have a sturdy chair nearby to hold on to sometimes for balance. We hope you enjoy 10 today. So we're going to start with a warm-up. You're just going to quickly tap or pat different parts of your body. So briefly tap along each arm, one at a time, in different places. Your upper arm, your forearm and your wrist. And do the same on both arms. Then pat the top of both legs, just quickly tapping up and down your legs in various places towards your knees for a few seconds. Great, you should be nicely warmed up now and ready to move. The first exercise is called arcing the sky. So with the usual starting position, feet hip width apart and shoulders relaxed, start by leaning forward slightly and lower both arms down towards your right leg, keeping your hands a few inches apart. Then slowly swing your arms out wide to the right side, sweeping them upwards and creating a semicircle shape. Just take them up above your head briefly and in a nice flowing movement, bring them back down again on that same right hand side, making that lovely semicircle and sweeping down towards your right leg again. So again, you're leaning forwards, lowering your arms down towards your right leg, sweeping them out wide and above your head and then coming back down again. Do this a couple more times on your right side. That's good. Now we'll switch to the left side and repeat the movement a few times. Make sure you haven't got too much tension on your knees. Try to keep your arms straight if you can and reach just a little bit higher. This is really good for your hip rotation and core. Well done. Next up, it's down and turn. Place your hands on your hips and lean forwards from your waist, looking down at the floor just as far as is comfortable. Then turn your upper body slowly to the right, 
straightening up slightly as you turn. Come back to the center, still leaning forwards, and continue in a flowing movement, turning your upper body to the left this time, straightening up slightly as you come up. Then back to the center, carrying on towards the right, return to the center, then back over to the left again. Keep going with your hands on your hips as you move your upper body in that flowing movement from left to right. You can lean a bit further forwards if you're able to. This is another good one for hip rotation and core. Now it's time for ball control. If you're standing, it's helpful to hold on to a sturdy chair for balance. So lift your right leg up a few inches from the floor and stretch it out in front of you. Keep it as straight as you can, as if you're about to kick a ball. Then just wiggle your ankle up and down, moving that foot around in the air. Place it back down on the floor and switch to the left leg. So lift your leg up just a few inches, then straighten it out and wiggle your ankle up and down. And then put your foot back down. Keep going with this, alternating your legs and moving those feet up and down in the air. Try to keep your legs straight when you kick out and kick a bit higher if you can. This is great for your legs, back and core. The next one is divide the waterfall. Now you can really use your imagination for this one. Picture the scene of a waterfall cascading down in front of a cliff and you want to part that waterfall with your hands to see what's behind it. So lean slightly forwards, keeping your knees soft. Stretch your arms straight out in front of you with your hands a few inches apart. Then pull your arms back, making a wide circular motion on each side as if you're swimming the breaststroke. Then repeat that same movement. So stretch both arms out in front of you, then pull them back to each side to divide that waterfall and see what's behind it. Do this a few times more. And try pulling back a little bit wider if you can. Oh, that's good. This is a really good one for your arms, shoulders and your back. Now we're going to feel the colours. Start this one with a wider stance, so move your feet a bit further apart. Raise your right arm straight up in the air above your head and then lean that arm over to the left so that it's touching the side of your head. Lean your body to the left at the same time, then straighten up and bring your arm back down. Now swap arms and do exactly the same thing on the other side. So stretch your left arm up this time, lean it over to the right until it touches the side of your head. Then lean to the right, straighten up and lower your arm back down to your side. Keep going with this for a few more times alternating your arms each time. Try leaning a little bit further and moving your legs a little bit wider if you can. This is good for your hip movement, arms and shoulders. Well done! Next up, it's push and block. So if you're standing, keep your knees slightly bent for this one. Stretch both arms straight out in front of you at shoulder height if you can. Position your palms forwards as if you're pushing something away and lean into that push. Now pull your arms back in towards your body, 
bending at elbows, then push them both out again with the palms facing forwards. If you're sitting, try to push down to the soles of your feet as you push out your arms. So let's do this a few more times, pushing those arms out, leaning into it and then pulling them back in. Try and keep those arms at shoulder level and lean a little bit deeper if you can. This is really good for your wrists, arms and shoulders. Now it's time to embrace the dawn. So in the usual starting position with your feet hip width apart and shoulders relaxed, start by turning your upper body to the right and keep your feet facing forwards. Stretch your arms out wide in front of you to create a circle shape with the fingers of each hand touching, roughly level with your waist. Then pull your arms apart and gently throw them out wide and upwards on either side to open your chest. Bring your arms back into that lovely circle shape, then pull them wide apart again, stretching them upwards before bringing them back together again. Let's do this a couple more times. That's good. Then turn to the left and do the same thing on the left side, gently throwing those arms out wide and upwards to open your chest. Repeat this a few times more, twisting a little bit further to the side if you can. This is great for your hip rotation, arms and shoulders and your balance. The next one is called Beware Two Sides. This is a martial arts type movement. So imagine you're fighting off attackers from different directions. Twist from your waist to the right. Stretch both arms straight out in front of you at shoulder height and face your palms forwards as if you're pushing something away. Bend your elbows to draw your arms back. Twist to the center and push them out again with the palms facing forwards. Then drawing your arms back again, twist to the right, push your arms out. Then draw your arms back as you return to the centre. And again, push your arms out. Let's do a couple more on the right. That's good. And then turn your upper body to the left this time. And do the same on that side, pushing out to the left and then pushing out from the centre. Try to keep your arms at shoulder height if you can. This is good for your sides, back and chest, as well as your hip rotation. Next up, it's rise and fall. This is another nice flowing movement using your arms and legs. If you're standing, bend your knees as far as is comfortable and at the same time, swing both arms directly up in front of you. If you're sitting, your knees are already bent, so focus on swinging your arms up as high as you can. Then swing your arms down again, back past your sides as you straighten your knees if you're standing. Keep it nice and slow, swinging those arms up high and swinging them down and back. If you're standing, keep bending your knees as your arms go up and straighten them as you swing your arms back. Keep going for a few more times, sweeping lower and higher if you can. This is great for your balance and your core. And the last one is called Calm the Earthquake. Start by stepping your right foot forward with your knee slightly bent into a lunge position, 
making sure your knee isn't further forward than your toes. At the same time, just push your arms straight down by your sides with the palms facing down. Then step your foot back and relax your arms. Now swap legs so that you're stepping forward with your left foot as you push your arms and hands down by your sides. Then step back and repeat with the right leg again. So keep going, alternating your legs, just pushing your arms down as you step forward and relaxing them as you step back. Try to keep your arms straight and vertical if you can. This is really good for your shoulders, arms and wrists. That's all the exercises done. So we're just going to finish with a quick shake to cool down. So raise both arms up above your head towards the ceiling and just briefly wave your hands and arms in the air. Then lift one leg slightly from the floor if you can. Shake it out in the air for a second or two. Raise the other leg and shake that one too. Or you can just shake your upper body instead. So that's the end of the session. Great work, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. Doing 10 today just three times a week can have positive benefits for your physical health and improve your well-being too. It's short, it's fun, and you'll simply feel better. So do keep going. Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. Weather for this week ahead looks to be mostly overcast and mild. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 22 degrees. UV levels are expected to be moderate throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 5.32am for the sunrise and 8.56pm for the sunset. For Friday 29th of July, we have sunny patches and light winds with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. On Saturday 30th of July, we have dribbles of rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. For Sunday 31st of July and Monday 1st of August, we have light cloud and a soft breeze with a maximum temperature of 22 degrees. On Tuesday 2nd of August we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 23 degrees. And for Wednesday 3rd and Thursday 4th of August it's sunny intervals and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 22 degrees. So that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well... Now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question 1. In what year was the National Health Service formed? And the answer, 1948. Question 2. How did people previously get treatment? And the answer, they had to pay. Question 3. What was the Wordsley Hospital formerly used as? And the answer, it was a workhouse. Question 4. How many hospital beds were available when the NHS started? 
And the answer, 480,000. Question five, what was the original cost of a prescription? And the answer, one shilling, which today is 5p. And finally, question six, how much does a consultation to a GP cost the NHS? And the answer here is £40. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of a frog. Now, to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we hear about the 55th anniversary of cash points and how they were first invented in the bath. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, this is Tim with an article written by Fiona. How ATMs were invented in the bathtub. Summer of 1967 saw a big day at the branch of Barclays Bank in Enfield, London. From the moment a velvet curtain was drawn back to reveal the world's first automatic teller machine, ATMs as we now know them, the way we bank was altered forever. Now, on the 55th anniversary of that historic occasion, there are 70,000 ATMs in the UK, each dispensing, on average, £2.5 million a year. Like many of the best inventions, the ATM was developed as a result of frustration. John Shepherd Barron, Managing Director at banknote manufacturer Delarue, found himself unable to cash his cheques after his bank closed on a Saturday morning. Pondering the dilemma in the bath later that evening, he was inspired by chocolate vending machines to create something similar for cash. Within days, Barclays had agreed to work with Delarue to create the first six and then a further 50 machines. Shepherd Barron's invention had begun to change the face of banking. Developments in recent years have increased the services ATMs provide to bring automatic banking to everyone. This has included introducing features to make them more easily accessible for people with disabilities and poor sight. Level Access is a company founded by engineers with disabilities who work to help make online banking and ATMs accessible to everyone. They say ATMs have been a valuable addition to the banking experience for decades, but only in the past 10 years have they been accessible to customers with disabilities. Before then, disabled customers encountered barriers, and these varied depending on the machine they were trying to use. ATM accessibility features now include, but are not limited to, having a large print, high-contrast keypad and screen text, a braille-numbered keypad, a headphone port for private audio and volume control, the ability to have the machine repeat audio instructions or messages, and being installed at the proper height for wheelchair users to read the buttons. As a side effect of having to redesign ATMs for accessibility, features have been added that have been great for everyone. For example, now a customer can deposit cheques without an envelope. However, a unique WITCH survey, undertaken with the help of 1,500 disabled bank customers, has exposed the challenges these customers still face when carrying out everyday banking tasks, and the banks that don't do enough to remove them. 
If you're one of the 14.1 million people in the UK with a disability, your bank must make services as accessible as possible. Yet which research reveals that while some banks go above and beyond to help disabled customers, others are barely meeting minimum standards. Banks have a legal obligation under the Equality Act 2010 to make reasonable adjustments for disabled customers. Inaccessible ATMs are a problem. Only 3% of AIBNI cash machines in Northern Ireland are audio-enabled, for example, and only 73% of HSBC ATMs are accessible to wheelchair users. Over the past 55 years, though, one important change for all modern ATM users is the amount of cash they can withdraw. Comedy actor Reg Varney, best known for the sitcom On the Buses, made that very first withdrawal from the first ATM back in the summer of 1967. But he wasn't suddenly cash-rich, as the machine only permitted users to withdraw £10 at a time. TNS Soundings So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!